And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics. www.guruenergy.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Gluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck. Joined, as always, by my good friend, Zachary Bartles. And, Zach, uh, I have to tell you, man, we shared our hearts last week. We got real. Uh, we did life together here on the air. <laughs> um, and we went to some dark places, man. And we talked about some dark things that were uh, that were happening in our emotions, in we our really emotional lives. We really sussed those emotions out. We sussed those emotions out, as it were. And the response, baby, was uh, overwhelmingly positive, man. People connected uh, in a way that suggests that probably most of our fan base is is wildly depressed. It right, was kind yeah. of what I took from it. But uh, but no, all kidding aside, I uh, was really encouraged by that. And I think we were so encouraged that we decided uh, to tape again here after a short few days. So even though, uh, even though I'm at a, a writing conference that's literally sucking the life out of me, um, you know, I, we, we've decided to do the courageous thing and tape again. Um, though I'm not as glum as I was a week ago, it, it, it should be clear. It, this is more tired. This is more like, you know, just sitting through kind of life-sucking talks, kind of tired rather than, than glum. Actually. There's a special so, kind of lethargy that comes from sitting through talks. Oh, dude, it's, it's bad. And, and Zach, again, man, I'm going to get real. I'm going to get authentic with you here. You know how being that we are adults, I'm supposed to be an adult about that, and I'm supposed to not be rude. <laughs> I do know and I'm how supposed that is. To, you know how I'm supposed to, like, not make funny comments to the person next to me throughout the whole talk and not be on my phone uh-huh. and not even at one point, like, flip open my laptop and just start typing really angrily and loudly on it? <laughs> you know how I'm not supposed to do all those things? I, I think I'm those familiar all, with that, yeah. Those are all things that I did this morning. <laughs> you know, I wish I was there with you, man, even though it means that I would be also having the life sucked out of me because you could be making those funny comments to me, and, and that Dude, would be Dude, if you had been here with me, it would have been so much fun. I it kind of remember a uh, particular <laughs> conference that you and I sat through where people actually got a little angry with us because we were doing these sorts of things. <laughs> And by a particular conference, you mean every conference like that that we've ever been to together. <laughs> well, the one where we weren't wise enough to go into the hallway. Yeah, yeah. You know what? As we've aged and as we've grown, I, I think just in maturity in our walk, we've uh, – <laughs> and by our walk, I mean our walk from the conference center out to the hallway. <laughs> we, we, we made that very key discovery, which is you know, if we really want to be funny, we could go out to the hallway and talk as loud as we want. Leaving you know? is always an option, yeah. Leaving is a great option. Whether building Just... 429 is is trying to like get their cut of the, the money Ugh. for the poor kids, or there's somebody saying, literally, I don't care how good of a writer you are, it doesn't matter. The hallway is there as a it's kind of a, a safe place, if you will. Dude, we've gone to so many ha- hallways together in our, in our time Which together, could be misconstrued you know? if that was taken out of context. It could be, mix- it could be misconstrued, but, but what I was going to say was... Literally, somebody said the thing today that you just said about writing. Like, I don't care how good of a writer you are if you don't have a Twitter presence. Uh, uh, you know? Uh, oh, dude. my gosh, dude. That makes me want to just crawl into a coffin and die. But it's I'm not down. Brutal, I'm not down it's this so, week. It's so brutal. Yeah, I'm not down. I mean, I do want to crawl into a coffin and die, but it's <laughs> it's a it's an up kind of wanting to crawl into a coffin and die. <laughs> I want to crawl into a coffin and die positive. You know, like a I want to I want to crawl into a coffin and die, making jokes the entire way of, about what I've just seen <laughs> and been forced to sit through. So that's where I'm at, man. Well, since you bring up you know the Twitter presence and everything, yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder you know there's a there's kind of a little bit of a backlog of things people have, have thrown our way that we haven't really acknowledged or or uh, dealt with at all. Well, baby, let's have a look at those. And and because I, I, this is kind of a remote for me, man. I'm in a uh, I'm in a <laughs> can I, I can I just tell you what hotel chain I'm in? Sure, yeah, let's hear it. This was the official conference hotel. It's a La Quinta. Oh, I kind of like those, man. Baby, listen, man, I'd never stayed in a La Quinta, and when we booked it, I was like, oh, this is going to be awful. You know, I just had a I had a preconceived notion of what this hotel, hotel chain was like, and it was really sad. But this one is not sad. 
Yeah, like, I, like it's actually pretty nice. I stayed there like out of principle one time because I was like reading an article about like all the uh, in-room porn in hotels. Oh, okay. And like uh-huh. La Quinta was one of the first people to just take that out of their hotels, like all okay. of them. And you wanted to support that. Yeah, I wanted to support that. And mm-hmm. also like it, it made me feel like I could touch the remote control. Without oh, being right. really grossed out. You Without know? being grossed out, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. still gross, and there's still germs all over it, but it's like absolutely. A, a, a tear down of grossness. Uh, yeah. And we stayed there in, in West Virginia, and it was actually like, it was quite a bit nicer than, than the other hotels we stayed in on the same trip. I, I think that uh, maybe we should get them as a sponsor. We'll be like, we Dude, know the- your remote controls aren't as gross. Dude, they're, they're not bad. They're kind of a contender, man. So La Quinta Corporate, if you're listening... We would be interested in, in our corporate office talking to yours and maybe sussing out some kind of a sponsorship agreement. Now, so what happened with the uh, the other sponsorship we might have had you know, on the line? <laughs> Not so you know, much. man, I am such the, the business mogul. What happened was I sent a couple of follow-up emails that were never responded to. Oh, so, well, I mean, what more can you do than that without being obnoxious? Yeah, exactly, man. I, I, I wanted to walk that fine line of, uh, of not, not begging, not looking like our show was desperate. Right. Yeah, uh, no, we're not desperate. You know, you, 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 you got to – when Zach, listen, when you're in the business of talking into your computer for an hour once a week – Or talking you into gotta, your phone as you are at the moment. Or talking into your phone, you've got, you've got to maintain self-respect, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's really, it's really pivotal that you maintain a positive view of what it is that you do. So, or someone might not, misunderstand what's going on and think that it's really sad. Yeah, absolutely, and they would be so wrong. But but I will not be groveling to this particular potential sponsor and and they know where to find me if they want to uh pick up the conversation. I would be I would be more than happy to do so. Certain people don't sponsor us. We don't want to be sponsored by certain people. Yeah, exactly, man. Certain people do respond to our emails. Certain people don't. You know, I mean, <laughs> we don't have to be acknowledged as existing by everybody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we don't have to be done the courtesy of a response by everybody. You know, <laughs> I would never eat here. Yeah, yeah, I would never eat here. I would never discuss sponsorships. You know, what, here. here, I didn't touch here. Here's here's my hoodie. Yeah. I didn't touch it. <laughs> you know what? You're you're grown's up and you're grown's up and you're grown's up. <laughs> Along the lines of people who have responded to us and even, uh-huh. in, you know, responded to us when we hadn't in any way, uh, reached out to them or solicited mm-hmm. them, uh, I want to read a couple of new, uh, podcast reviews that we've gotten. Please do. On, on iTunes. Uh, okay. and I'd like to hear your kind of wrap up slash assessment, your, your kind of a color commentary on each one after the fact, I, since you can't I see I will them. do that. All right. Here's one. A plus plus entertainment. This uh, is from Grace Terraberry, which is a name Grace. that I doubt is real. Um, I hope it is. I, I hope it is, it too. Be. It's a great name, but it seems like, like a stage name. I like to think name. of it being real. It sounds like a bass player in a girl band. Oh, dude, that's awesome. And on bass guitar, Grace, bass, Terraberry. It says... Dude, we would have been so intimidated by, like, the girl bass player in a, in a, in a band. You know what I mean? But, but yet so fascinated by it at the same time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking of like college us. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that would have been. Uh, oh, how cool! She's a bass player. Yeah, that reminds me of like the completely inscrutable draw that that uh, <laughs> that uh, Lloyd Dobler, but not Lloyd Dobler. What's the name of Cusack in uh, in High Fidelity? Oh yeah. Oh, dude, I love that movie, but I can't think of his name, man. Top five Championship guy. Vinyl is the name of his uh, his record store. Which right. It reminds me of the draw but, that he feels uh, to Lisa Bonet. Yes. Even though right. Lisa Bonet looks like Lisa Bonet's skeleton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By that point, that's 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 how it had gone. But uh, <laughs> but no, you're right. <laughs> All right. So here's here's the uh, tweet. This is a one of a kind podcast that comes across as both group therapy and a constant sarcasm fest. The guys really yeah. bounce off each other nicely. <laughs> and you can... That reminds me of that time that we camped together on the <laughs> on the high jump pit that was your air mattress. See, also things that could be misconstrued if taken out of context. Yeah, right. Uh, we were literally bouncing off another nicely and... <laughs> into the study area. You know, and you can get to know. <laughs> uh, and dude. you can get to know them through the show. Only complaints, not enough re-raptured reading. And talking yes. about man buns. Dude, that's great, man. Grace. She's a true fan, you know? She gets the true, like, heart, the true ethos of the show. Yeah, and I you dig know that about her. You know what is encouraging is seeing uh, other names 
I love the like 13 people that we uh, interact with really often. Yeah. But I, no, I good to see say to myself, like, uh, is this the only 13? We'd keep doing it even if it was. Dude, but... she's almost becoming like the girl Weebus. You know what I mean? From the one review? Yeah. <laughs> By almost becoming, I mean from the one review. You know what? Well, let's let's hold off on that until she sends us like a whole bunch of free stuff. What I'm doing is a colloquialism called putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> That's a thing that people say in the Midwest. But uh, Remember that but really yeah. brief period where I was just making up cart-related um, <laughs> idioms? Yeah. Cart-related like idioms. Throwing oh, dude, my baggage on your cart or something? Yeah. You know what? I'm really going to throw my bags on your cart here and, and say that <laughs> fill in the blank. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to put the horse beneath the cart. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Yeah, no, I know it. There, there, there were great things happening there. Here's another one. This one's from Jesse Jordan. That's Jesse. another good name. Jesse Jordan. Uh, and it's another five star. Like we would read anything else. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it says live colon words. That's the title. <laughs> this duo uses lots of words. If their words were marshmallows, they'd be playing Chubby Bunny each episode. Mmm. Marshmallows. I like marshmallows. Huh. You know what I love about that one? What's that? That it's a five-star review. <laughs> you don't like the words that are in the review? No, the, word, the, words? Yeah, the words are good. No, the words are good. And you know what? You know what I like about the words is the fact that he sort of, he was invoking the Gut Chat podcast circa like nine months ago with the joke about words. You know what I mean? Like That, right. that was a, a thing that we always used to say like about our words. We but still we say of, that. I don't think still jokes it. never die with us, Ted. <laughs> no, jokes never die with us. But uh, but I, I like I like seeing other people invoke our our humor. As do I. Yeah, and then uh, you know the, the the chubby bunny spin. Maybe I find that funnier than you do because I was a youth pastor for several years. Dude, I think so, man. I think that's a youth like a youth ministry thing that kind of I missed that era. It kind of passed me by. Like youth group at my church growing up was just like a bunch of cool kids playing basketball. Really? That's literally all I remember about it. Because our church had a gym, which was kind of a money thing, and uh, yeah, and a bunch of dudes would just play basketball. That was that was it. <laughs> That's really bizarre, man. Was there apologies any Bible at any point? To my, yeah, apologies to my old youth pastor if he's listening. I realize that could sound very sort of convicting. Well, it sounds but, like maybe uh, he needed to be convicted if that was the extent it, of the youth ministry. I'm just. It sounds it sounds like it, but I, I still even even in that I don't want to be unkind to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what is not safe is playing Chubby Bunny while playing basketball because if you oh, get yeah. followed, 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 follow. If you, if you get, get followed, followed, someone's following you. If you get yeah. followed while you have a, a mouthful of marshmallows, it can it can be deadly. It really can. Dude, wouldn't it be funny if following was actually like a, like a foul in, in basketball? I remember like you, you, the first time you someone can't follow a guy. Yeah, hey, hey, <laughs> leave him alone. Hey, run away from him. You're following. <laughs> remember the first time I heard someone talk about walking. And I, and I assumed okay, for a yeah. while that, like, you had to run. Like, if you slowed yeah. down, they were like, hey, like no. Down, <laughs> it's sort of like the movie slacker. Speed. Like, your heart will explode. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear a funny, sad story about me, youth group, and basketball? I sure do. Um, when I was in uh, about fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, not quite youth group age, we had a thing in our denomination called Brigade Boys, uh, okay. which was the counterpart to Pioneer Girls. And I'm sure just from the names, okay. you can guess what those were. I absolutely can. I'm envisioning the sadness in my mind's eye <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> well, Pioneer Girls probably should have a revival here since we've figured out that uh, the the like extreme leftist agenda of the Girl Scouts of late, mm. um, like uh, making like there's a, like a badge you get now I think to put on your sash that you got a partial birth abortion. They're they're really oh, they're gone. Yeah. These people. But yeah. uh, Brigade Boys actually, the, I whittled a bird with a jackknife they gave me. It was actually a really great memory. <laughs> Yeah? Um, I still have it. I'll show it to you sometime. <laughs> you have the bird? Yeah, next time I see you, I'll show it to you. Dude, listen to me. If you, if you remember only one thing from this recording sesh, <laughs> I want you to I want you to photograph the bird, Uh huh. and I want you to post it with this episode. Okay, I'll like, look it, for the bird. It, it has to run with a picture of the bird <laughs> that you whittled out of a jackknife. <laughs> Dude, you're like a kid in a Wes Anderson movie <laughs> with your whittling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, we had gym night once a month. So it was every yeah. Thursday, and then once a month was gym night, which I loved. But yeah. because my parents were really involved in the church, I actually started all these things like a little before the other kids. So I was mm -hmm. a little smaller. Uh, mm -hmm. We went to Hughes School Gym, and mm -hmm. we would just play basketball. 
And mm-hmm. we had enough guys that they'd separate us into two teams and we'd play. Sure. Uh, and, and I didn't really understand the rules of basketball. Like we had a basketball hoop in my driveway and we'd play one on one, but I didn't understand mm-hmm. the, the ins and outs of it. So at one point, um, they, and really nobody threw me the ball because I was like a foot shorter than everybody when I first started. Mm-hmm. So, so I was, you know, I was no asset. Um, at one point, somebody had gone out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, they, they gave our teammate, uh, this kid Eric the ball. And mm-hmm. just to be nice, he threw it to me, okay. right, uh, upon the whistle. N- and not wanting to screw up, I just immediately threw it back to him. Okay. So he was still out of bounds, and he caught the ball, and he <laughs> sat there with the ball for just a second, and then he went, what? <laughs> and I so immediately he, knew he what I'd done. he inbounded the ball to you, and you immediately outbounded <laughs> the ball back. Yes. That's fantastic, dude. You're like, you know, you know, I'm not ready for play to start yet. <laughs> I, I, think, like I thought it would be kind of a bounce. smooth move, like really unexpected. Dude, yeah, like you're the ultimate teammate. You're the ultimate, like, unselfish teammate in that I don't want to be in play with the ball, you know? <laughs> so obviously then the other team immediately got the ball back, and uh, I don't wow. think anyone even acknowledged it. I think I just got kind of like a disappointed look from, like, the, the oh, guy yeah. who was in charge of the program. So this older kid, he was trying to be kind, and, and you know, you let him down. <laughs> yes, you know? indeed. I, I oh, reaffirmed baby, what he had already thought, probably. Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'll tell you what, baby, though, hit... <clears throat> later on yeah. in, in my brigade boys' years, I actually mm-hmm. got pretty good at basketball, and I really looked forward to, to that because we played full-court basketball, which I was uh-huh. never on the team or anything. That was probably the last time I played you know, actual honest-to-goodness basketball. Yeah. Uh, other than just kind of like, jacking around with, you know, shooting hoops with people or playing like a, a half court pickup game. And I think uh-huh. that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of running, which I, I'm not into these days, but I should be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It is fun, dude. But you know what? You know what weird thing is happening to guys our age who play pickup basketball? Huh. I feel like they all tear their Achilles tendon. Yes. You, know? yes. you see these guys like crutching around and, and they've got a big walking boot. And it's like, hey, dude, what happened? Oh, I tore my Achilles playing basketball. You know, like, like, like pickup basketball is just this, you know, obstacle course of, you know, knives waiting to like rise up and slash your Achilles. <laughs> like you know? gang members are getting their initiation on this, the, the, yeah, side. right. It, it's like, you know, the NFL has its concussions. Uh, yeah. middle aged men's pickup basketball has its Achilles tendons. We all have stories, you know? We do. We uh, play at your own risk. You know, it's, <laughs> it's tough out there. <laughs> I got one more review here, and this yeah. is from Son of a Preacher Man. All right. Uh, and this one's going back about a month here. So, uh, it, you know, the specifics of it are a little outdated. Uh, okay. The name of it is, this yep. is a podcast. And the body of the review is, and I like it. Nice. Five stars. Some As a man, a few words there, son of a preacher he man. He is a minimalist. And uh, I, I can appreciate that. You know, that's a <laughs> that's a very concise, uh, it's a very concise review. I like There's it. There's still fawning words. Fawning words, you know, we and we never specified how many fawning words, just that they had to be there in some fashion. So, Ted, after uh, the the downer episode, I want to uh, I want to prop you up a little more along these same lines. I'm going to read a couple five star reviews here of a book called Pastime. Oh, baby, that's fantastic. Which yeah. is uh, Ted Kluck's book on uh, incredibly detailed historic fantasy football. Is that about right? That's pretty much right, man. Going back in time. To play the greats. Yeah. Simulating the game, simulating through uh, NFL history. So, yeah. And again, I know I think I asked you this before, but just to clarify, it's not like, okay, this now we're doing 1968 and every, everybody's players. It's like you can have a guy that, that was retired when the rest of your team, like you can mix and match from throughout history. No, no, we're playing through the eras. So right now oh, we're, in, uh, okay. we're in the late 70s, so it's only guys who are in the league in the late 70s. So you so have to drafting... know like all of, of yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, you do, man. You wow. have to know all of NFL history. It's really fun, dude. It sounds and exhausting. Guy, I mean, you already I know, know it, but I mean, like to me, the idea, it just sounds like yeah. it sounds like getting a master's degree. Dude, it really is. It's it's And it's fun that way. And, and I'll tell you the best thing about it, and maybe I've mentioned this on the air before, but all the other guys who do this are old, and they're all super gentlemanly. Like, they're really cool guys, man. They have manners, and, you know, they're mm-hmm. not jerks, like, online. And Now, you're doing um, this on, on the computer. Do you imagine these guys are in, like, velour sweatsuits, like, tracksuits, or do you think that they're in, like, you know, derbies? And, and, dude, these and... guys are, they're, they're literally all over the country. They're all over North America, man. We have even a couple of Canadian guys, and I know that some of them are retired, and some of them are, like, 
you know, really successful in business and yeah, just completely random group of, uh, of guys of mostly older guys who love NFL history and, uh, and who enjoy doing this thing. So, you know, some of the guys, you know, we've got like people who work in healthcare and, um, you know, all, all kinds of different stories and backgrounds, but, uh, yeah, but they're a great bunch of dudes, man. Every, every one of them. So they've, they've become real, real good friends. Now, so you're, you're still interacting with them. Do they know you wrote the book? Yeah, absolutely. They love the book and they've, uh, they've promoted it and, uh, and, and bought it. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're big fans. And, um, and yeah, I'm still playing, still playing in the leagues and hopefully we'll be doing so for a long time. At some point you're going to hit like now, right? We are have to start yeah. over. Yeah, I guess. I guess they just start over at that point. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it will be – typically we sim through two seasons, so like two simulation seasons in one calendar year. So it'll be a, it'll be a long time before we get even close to where we are now. And it sounds like a lot of those guys will probably be gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's taking it in a very dark direction, the interview. You know, but, uh, but you know, now that you mention it, uh, they, they, they might be. So. <laughs> All right, man. Here's here's a couple five star reviews. One says, "Great book on football from the perspective of someone who dot dot dot." Um, oh, I see. Because this person didn't actually come up with the title, and so they okay. just like grabbed the first line. Uh, okay. So disregard that. Here it is. It's from E Brown sixty four. Great book on football from the perspective of someone who played in high school, college, and professional levels. The writer comments on the NFL from the 70s up until modern times and relates football to the games fans play today. An insightful and entertaining read. Five stars. Nice, man. Wow. Another one just says five stars. Great book. Lots of good memories from football the way it was meant to be played. That seems like that's your your draw with this book. Like people who are really jaded about now. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of nostalgia in it and a lot of kind of essaying about, um, yeah, just things that things that we loved about the past, you know, things that we enjoyed about the game that uh, aren't necessarily a part of the game anymore. Even this week, another guy who everyone kind of assumed was immune to scandal. Yeah. Now named in this lawsuit yeah. about I mean, it's just it's 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 overwhelming to me. And I'm not even really following the culture. I'm just I'm just kind yeah. of soaking it up passively. It really is overwhelming. It's it. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting, and and not on the level of like heroes. You know, I I, I don't expect Peyton Manning or anyone else to be perfect. You know, I, I don't expect these guys to be to be Boy Scouts. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's the for me it's the the volume of it. You know what I mean? It's just constant. It's all the time. You know, there, there's never a day that goes by without some kind of depressing scandal. And and yeah, I mean it does. It just makes me want to delve back into the past where the guys were no. You know, people had sin nature back in the, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, too, obviously. But uh, but there is something kind of fun about just enjoying it for what it was and, and not sort of following the day to day soap operas of who hates who and who's trying to sue who. And, um, you know, that that's the part of it that gets really, you know, depressing. Nice, nice. Yeah. So we're back to depression, baby. You know, this is a. This is the format that worked well for us in the past. Maybe we should stick with it. <laughs> it you know? really did. I'm looking at our Twitter feed, and we got a, a good number of responses on Twitter to that last episode and in our email box. Now, uh, did they, you read me uh, one, you know, just one or two? Some tweets? I'm not going to read yeah, the ju- ones that came to us personally because maybe okay. they weren't intended for public consumption. Consumption, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, here, here's one from Chuck Farley. Author Z Bartle's not your typical episode, but maybe your best. Wow. Uh, there are... These are conversations men need to have. Hashtag, we need a gut check. This guy's starting a hashtag. I could see that taken off. I could, too. That's going to break the Internet. People also are really uh, kind of commiserating about the uh, sleep situation. McLean, insomnia is a cruel master. Listen to the Mm. cast yesterday. Proceeded to sleep from 9.30 to 12.30 a.m. Now it is 2 a.m., and I am wide awake. Oh, Scotty. The church curmudge. Been there. Said, uh, where did that go? Kermudge, he must have just tagged me. Um, Church Kermudge basically said, hold on, let me find it. I don't want to. I can cut out my looking for it. Twitter.com. <laughs> Log in. Have you, have you been to Twitter.com? Dude, <laughs> I have been to Twitter.com. And can I, can I quote one of the speakers from the writing conference that I'm at. Yeah. She said, Twitter is a river. Twitter is like a river, you know? You know what I like better than that analogy? What? 
our analogy from the Gut Check Guide to Publishing that said Twitter is basically like firing a confetti cannon into a tornado. <laughs> I love that one. I like that one way more because it's ours and yes. also because it's better. And because we're better. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, by, by extension, I, I, I think you can infer that. Okay, here's, sure. here's Church Curmudgeon. It says, okay. uh, oh, the delicious irony of waking up at 2.30 a.m., turning on the Gut Check podcast, and falling soundly asleep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I didn't get that at first. I'm like, is he saying we're boring? And then I realized that he meant because of the insomnia. Yeah. And then the real Chuck Weebus, we, you, have to, you have to acknowledge the Weebus. He says, uh, Gut Check Pod, I remember exactly where I was when I listened to Downer, sitting in my car, in the rain, eating a hamburger. By myself. Oh, <laughs> weebs. See, you know what? He's, he's just getting real with us. You know, he's getting authentic about his own journey and where he is. You know? Let me throw one more thing at you, man, from the interwebs. Actually, yeah. two. One, one directed to me and, and one uh, to you. And it's, and it's, they're both from Nige. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, one of them was, was thrown more at both of us. And this is uh, I, I, something I want to encourage. Uh, yeah. You may not be familiar with these graphics since you're not really on social media at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but there are these graphics that at the bottom they say, Toby Mac, speak life. Are you familiar with these? No, never heard of it, man. So so Toby Mac has a song called Speak Life, and then he has kind okay. of a series of motivational posters, but they're not really posters, they're just graphics on social media. Mm-hmm. And it'll it'll either have a, you know something from the Bible or just something kind of broadly inspirational, and then it sure, says sure. "Speak Life" at the bottom. And <laughs> there was one on the Gut Check Pod uh, Facebook or the Gut Check Press Facebook page the other day that said, uh, "No, no daughter of mine will go Episcopalian. Do you understand me?" And then at the bottom it said, "Toby Mac, Speak Life," <laughs> 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 which is. Uh, to me, uh, I think I'd like to see people um, trolling with quotes from Re-Raptured and concepts from Re-Raptured, uh, trolling people that have no idea that you know, they're being a, trolled or what, what's going on. What a dream, you know? I mean, <laughs> did you ever think you'd, you'd be in a position to say that? I mean, the, the, the amazing things that have happened to us, baby, you know? If people were trolling each other on the Internet with our words, I mean, boy... I could walk off into the sunset, you know? I could call it a career. Oh, and yeah, he put, I made you this. The, <laughs> I, I made you this. And then there's this graphic. Oh, that's spectacular. And, of course, we got Nigel Fever way wrong when we, yeah. like, described him as this, like, elderly churchman. Abbey elderly gentleman and he's, who, who is he's from Great not. Britain. He probably lives in, like, Phoenix, you know? <laughs> I do believe that he lives in... Uh, in the United Kingdom, but I, I he's he's about our age uh, or yeah. younger. And uh, yeah. you know we got we've got a fan in Australia. I was Dude, chatting no back and forth with. Yeah, I think we Who should try it? to get both these guys on at the same Dude, time. Kind of a kind of a gut check international week. Yes, you know? let's try and make yeah. that happen next week. The, the timing would be a bear. Uh, of gut figuring check worldwide. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll gut try to turn global. them against each other. What if we could start a? No, that's not that's not a good. Starting international incidents. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Here's what. Here's what the other thing that Nigel Fever has has said, Mm -hmm. Uh, and this he left on my my author page, and I want you to respond to this because I I was a little bit. uh, I gotta admit, I was just a little bit offended by this. Uh, Really? Wow. So maybe uh, it's just me being thin skinned. I'm gonna I'm gonna come uh, to your aid here. (laughs) I need a three minute video for my youth group about Jesus or the gospel. Any ideas? I should have thought about it ages ago, but I've been too busy winning at life. If you give me a good suggestion, I will buy the Gut Check Guide to Publishing. Oh, wow. So we have in here an ultimatum. If you do something for me, then I will then I will do you the favor of buying the <laughs> Gut Check Guide to Publishing, which is the part if of If you it. do something for me, then I will buy the already really affordably priced product. Right, which is amazing. That I, that I get. <laughs> if you do something, you know what? I will do something for you if you buy yeah, that. Yeah. I will, you know, have written w- with Ted that book, uh, which dude, then you dude, can read. I need to go. I have nothing left in the tank. All right. I feel, I feel like I've had the life just sucked out of me by by this thing that I'm at, and I have to go do like several more hours of it tonight. <laughs> that sucks, dude. I know. Isn't that awful? All right. So well, let's hit up. Uh, are you gonna be home on Monday? Yeah, I will be home, meaning in the office. So, All right, so you'll yeah. be able to do a little, we'll just do a little read. 
Yeah, that should work. All right, cool. Good to talk right, to baby. you, man. Talk to you later. Yeah, it was fun. Bye. We are uh, we are recording a, a, a little special addendum to this episode, and uh, <laughs> so that you could be involved in the reading of the the chapter. So since that you I could didn't be have your computer. In the reading of the chapter, and also so that we could discuss. Uh, what's happening on Downton Abbey? And because setting is so important in Downton Abbey, you know, there are these great sort of drawing rooms and libraries and dining halls and, you know, it's just very lush and lavish. I, I would like for you, um, to use your words and paint a picture for the listeners of where you are right now and what you're doing. Okay. Can you picture in your mind's eye the, mm-hmm. uh, the great hall? Okay. I'm picturing that. Yeah. Now imagine that, but without the, uh, the dark wood, uh, woodwork. Okay. Okay. Um, and much, much smaller. Okay. And say if, you know, like the whole library wall that's just books. Yeah. If that was kind of like four by two. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then it was actually just like a sunroom. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. instead of the kind of uh, like fainting couch that they have there, yeah. uh, it was like a wicker settee. Yeah, okay. Now, see, this is what's sad about this, Ted, is I'm in the sunroom on the settee. Okay. Uh, but... But I'm not there with you. My 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 thigh is touching nobody else's thigh. Oh, you know, it's so, so sad. I do know. I do know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you've done a really good job of, of, I think, painting the picture of, of where you are, and and I'm I'm struck by how I'm not there. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what's not sad though is that I am smoking a cigar from Jacob Hale and drinking hey. an energy drink. Yeah. Uh, my new favorite cigar, I think, came out of that uh, that batch that Jacob Hale sent to to okay. uh, corporate headquarters, yeah. and it's called a. Uh, uh, Kentucky Fire Cured. Mm. Kentucky Fire Cured. Yeah, and it was in that Drew Estates uh, pack. Yeah, and there was there was two in the pack, and then there was another one as well. And uh, all three of them uh, were smoked in very close proximity to one another, time wise. Nice, nice. And, and here, here's what's uh, what's special about this cigar. Ted. Just imagine yeah. that you you remove the cellophane, you pull out the cigar, and yeah. even though you know that smelling it supposedly tells you nothing about uh, mm-hmm. The flavor, because you and I wrote about that in our our cigar book. Right. You still smell it because why wouldn't you? That's it's your right. cigar, right? You never want to run it your 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 nose over a cigar in a shop. You know, a cigar you don't yeah. own, but yeah. it's your cigar, so you smell it. Now, in Absolutely. this case, what you smell mm-hmm. smells like a campfire. Really? Oh, it, I love that. Yes, that smoky, like like what your sweatshirt smells like the day after. Yes. Um, like that really just wonderful fall slash early spring kind of vibe of being, mm. you know, around a bonfire or something. Yeah. And, oh, it's a really delicious smoke. It, it's it's good stuff. Dude, I love that, man. I love that. So special thanks again for uh for all the free stoves, man. What a what a guy. Jacob Hale, man. What yeah. now, did you get uh, down to to pop in and see him when you were in uh, Alabama or were you too busy? I didn't because I was in Mobile and he was in Huntsville, which was just a a, a little short 6-hour jaunt out of the way. So <laughs> I decided, I decided to uh, to forego popping in to see Jake, but I'm, I'm sure he understands. What's funny is I forget that that can be the case. I mean, I know there are places in yeah. Michigan that are nine hours away because they're up yeah. in the UP, but yeah. for the most part, you know, if you're in, I'm in Lansing, you, yeah. in, and that's, for those who don't know, that's right in the middle of the, the mitten part of Michigan, and yeah. basically any city, most cities in Michigan are... Within, within an hour hours. or two or three at the most. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so, yeah, it's funny when you, you talk to someone who's in Florida and you're like, oh, you should go and see this, you know, and they're like, well, that's, you know, most of a day driving, yeah. so yeah. no. I'll, I'll give it some thought, meaning I won't. <laughs> It'd be quicker to go from London to Paris, but, you know, I'll take <laughs> exactly. it into consideration. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, baby, speaking of London and Paris and oh, such... great segue, man. Such other lavish places, thank Freaking you. Freaking yeah. segmaster. Well, something we do here on this program is good radio. And uh, I like to I like to do good radio whenever I can. But uh, I want to talk about good television because uh, we saw some great television last night. Uh, last night was the second to last episode ever in the history of Downton Abbey. So Is it? There's only one more. There's only one more left, and it's not next week. I was told uh, by my assistant here in uh, in the studio that uh, that it's actually going to be uh, in March. I think it's in early March. So. Um, we have a couple of weeks to wait, but uh, but yeah, this epi- this episode was sensational. I think I texted you at one point, and I go, uh, "We got to talk about this app tomorrow." You know, there are so many layers, and uh, and it was just fascinating to me. So why don't you give me your reaction to the app? Uh, maybe talk through a couple of storylines, and we'll just uh, we'll just see where the conversation goes. Dude, I'm counting the number of times I texted you during the episode last night, and the the <laughs> uh, answer is thirteen. Thirteen. L- lucky thirteen. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were we were like a couple of teenage girls during that app last night. <laughs> Only teenage girls would not say the things we were saying. Exactly. Um, they would say more thoughtful things. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of. One of my uh, texts to you was just the word boom. Boom. I just and saw that. that. When, that was during one of the three scenarios in which Mary finally gets chewed out for her oh behavior. Oh my gosh, it was spectacular to see her finally. Yeah, just nobody, nobody was on her side. Dude, she, she got torn up. Finally. <laughs> and you know, uh, Thomas was uh, a little, or, or Tom, Tom Branson Tom was a Branson. little bit nice about it. Uh, but her sister. As per usual with Tom Branson. Yeah, I mean, you know, that nice guy's guy. a solid guy. He was a boring character. Yeah, I mean, I'd want to be buddies character. with him. Yeah, but but last night was his sort of crowning achievement. I think it was his shining moment. He's a real matchmaker. He's a real he cupid, really is, if you will. This guy, yeah, he's very. Uh, he's, he... Oh, I almost made a reference that you would make fun of me for. Never do mind. It. Do I'm it. Make it, please. He's like, he's like Emma in the Jane Austen novel. I make fun of that, man. Why are you gonna make fun of that? I don't know. It's kind of girly, but <laughs> dude, we're talking about Downton Abbey. The whole the <laughs> dude, whole yeah. enterprise is There's girly. There's nothing girly about that. You know. <laughs> Really about two grown men talking about Downton Abbey. Now, what I liked about uh, the and, and this I shouldn't have liked, I guess, considering uh, certain things. But I liked that that she didn't cut any corners or she didn't she didn't uh, beat around the bush. She basically just she called her the B word two times. She did in quick succession, like like in the Edith's Happy Day uh, teleplay that you wrote, where she quickly punched Miss Bunting in quick succession twice in the face. That was almost that was almost prophetic, you know. I mean. <laughs> Well, and, and I think what was so fascinating about it was that you, you started the episode so happy for Edith because Edith found out that this, uh, this gentleman that she's been spending this time nobody. with intentionally, who was kind of nobody, is actually like a, the Duke of something, right? Yeah, he just became. I actually, when, when they, they, I saw the, the headline on the newspaper of who had died, and I'm like, that's a title I am unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it was like th- thorax or something. But the point being, he became this, this, made man basically in uh in in that society and all of a sudden that status would catapult Edith above even even Lord Grantham. Yeah, even Lord Grantham. Which Lord, Lord Grantham to his credit was really stoked for, you know. I mean, he was excited for everybody was excited for except of course Mary who just cannot be excited for Edith in any way shape or form and and in fact hates her. You so, know what I was waiting for this morning? And actually looking for a little bit was for somebody, and it was to take a special somebody to yeah. have made a little clip, you know, a mash together of two video clips. Yeah. Uh, one of them being Edith chewing out uh, Mary with the salty yeah. language, and the yeah. other one being a little clip from a very famous Key and Peel episode where they talk about um, what they had said to their wives. Dude, I love it, man. I love it. And in, and even in the in the program last night. Um, the Dowager Countess made a special trip back from her excursion to uh, to France to come back and chew out Mary. Yeah, everybody. And that, that was her sole are, purpose for coming back. She spent the whole day on a train just to yell at her, which was yeah, and she yeah. was a little easy on her too. But uh, she was. But her, even if she doesn't raise her voice, you know, her words cut to the quick. I wouldn't want her to chew me out, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's very challenging the things that she was saying. So Mary finally got her comeuppance. I mean, it took a long time for it to happen, but it but it happened. Um, <laughs> Dude, the, let's talk about Mosley for a minute, can we? Yeah, yeah, Mosley. He, he was the ultimate sad sack, the ultimate oh, downer, and yeah. you know he, you know, it's almost like he heard the episode called Downers. Yeah. Uh, and and then he he bounced. I mean, like somehow through the the folds of time, and then he he kind of realized he could do something. And, and I think it, that's what happened. I think between like, you know, buffing shoes down in the basement and and sort of getting tea on and whatnot, he would listen. <laughs> To segments of our podcast, <laughs> he listened. He sent us a nice note back and just said, "Hey, I really appreciate the authenticity in the downer episode." And then he's, as a result, he sort of turned his life around. I think is what happened. You know, I was afraid that. I mean, I knew they wouldn't because it's it's pretty uh, pretty safe writing on that show. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I was afraid they were just going to give you a glimmer of hope about the guy and then have him just crash and burn as and a teacher. Like, yeah, it that looked like it for funny. a minute. That would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been funny for a minute, but but yeah, it would have made you like unspeakably sad at the same time. But he he like rose up and, and crushed it, man. He did yeah, he did. He needs to just quit at the house. He, he doesn't like, need to quit here. at the house so that they can keep Barrow on full time. They're keeping Barrow on anyway. Do you think that was calculated in that direction, or do you think he really just kind of hit rock bottom? Dude, I don't know, man. I, I I don't think it was calculated on his end. I think he truly hit rock bottom. And I mean, I've been calling that for. For weeks, and and KK will tell you one of the sort of personality quirks that I have that's really annoying. I think to her, 
and probably to most people is that I try to prepare myself emotionally for things like that in shows to such a degree that I'm I'm forever like trying to call what's going to happen <laughs> as though it will it will somehow prepare my heart for the fact that Barrow like tries to really harm himself in this episode. Um, and I had been calling that, and I'd seen it coming, which I'm sure everyone else did too. But, um, but yeah, still, still sad, man. Here's something crazy. So yeah. somehow, preternaturally, my son will know yeah. when Downton Abbey is going to have something like once in a while that that would be not appropriate for a child. Like sure. say a character gets raped on screen, or yeah. somebody is lying in a bathtub full of their own blood, uh, right. and that will be the night when he like it can't sleep and comes into our room. Or somebody hacks up blood for twenty minutes. Yeah, right. nope. and actually that was hilarious. I, my, we were laughing at that together, me and yeah. my son. I'm kidding. Um, but last <laughs> night was one of those nights where he he like knocked timidly on the door and he was like, "Can somebody come in my room? I can't sleep." And I'm uh-huh. like, "No, man, Downs on. You come in here." Yeah, and and you know the whole thing had just been talking about you know who's been elevated to what rank socially, and the yeah. moment he gets in the 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 uh, bed there with his oh, little stuffed Sonic the Hedgehog, of yeah. course we kick open a door and there's a guy, you know, <laughs> absolutely bloody, and yeah. and and my son had just gotten over the. Uh, I took him to see Risen. I don't know if you've heard of this movie. It's got. I've uh, oh, it's a it's like a Christian movie, but like a good one. It's got uh, yeah. Joseph Fine in it. Okay. And uh, it's about, like, uh, the manhunt for the body of Christ. Oh, and wow. We went and saw that, and it was just full of, like, bloated corpses. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a tough week, uh, you know, like, it's visually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how did he feel about Barrow's, you know... I don't think I don't I don't know I I don't think he actually saw it I think I mercifully I think his eyes were closed so good good so you, you guys didn't uh, you we, didn't dialogue yeah we weren't like well look at this Cal what do you think of that <laughs> <laughs> no but I think he'll be able to stay on as under Butler like pretty well open endedly right dude I hope so man I mean I I think if you survive a suicide you're just kind of grandfathered in forever it's you like you like uh, your your roommate kills himself in college and you get a four point or whatever yeah yeah it's one of those urban legends that as it turns out in that in that genteel society ends up being true so I'll, I'll tell you what he he may be able to be the actual butler soon if uh, mrs. Hughes just decides to you know kill mr. Carson <laughs> mr. Carson who's being just a tremendous jerk wang. to everyone yeah oh he's terrible yeah Dude, what's up with that? I mean, he even we... got chewed out a little bit, like a harsh uh, tone from uh, from Lord Grantham. Yeah, Are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. need your help being, you know, magnanimous. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's it's crazy, man. But you know what? They kind of they kind of buried the hatchet a little bit there last night. I mean, uh, you know, she called him a curmudgeon, and you know, but he said, "I'm your curmudgeon," or and and it, it ended in a nice place. There was there was a kiss. Um, so it gave you, it gave you a little bit of hope, but, but yeah, there's, there's not much hope that Carson will change his ways, you know? Yeah, no, there, there is, that's one person who will not change at all, which is always what I've kind of liked about him is that he's just yeah. like so sure of yeah. his worldview and, and it wasn't something he came by lightly. It's, it's yeah. been a, a lifetime in the making Yeah, and he's not going to, you know, flip flop it and, uh, you know, I, and granted, there's something admirable about about Lord Grantham evolving as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They, they kind of set each other off nicely. They do. They do. Yeah, and and there's true affection there, but yeah, they're kind of moving in different directions. I mean, Carson is Carson's kind of clinging to this old world sort of you know structure and gentility, and uh, and Lord Grantham is trying to you know trying to embrace the fact that the world is changing. So, um, yeah, fascinating dynamic, man, and and. Interesting of Grantham to, he also stood up to Mary. You know, I mean, it wasn't a full scale like tongue lashing, a la what she got from Edith or, you know, the Dowager Countess. But you know, at, at one point, I think he said, you know, she had come down for breakfast after she had ruined Edith's life, and and he said something like, "That's shocking, even for you." Yeah, um, no, she she said something nasty to him. Like, are you do you, are you still happy that you? Are you still think it was a good idea to to let Barrow go? Yeah, oh, like it's right. his fault the guy like went running for the razors. Yeah, exactly, man, exactly. And then he, you know, he burned her pretty, pretty bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a, you know what? We should write uh, e- e- or a Mary's Mary's awful day, or, or you know, a companion yeah. piece to Edith's happy day. Dude, I feel like every day for Mary is awful. Even her good days are awful because she's her. Yeah, being her would be a real burden, I think. Yeah, yeah. Now, she, do you do you think that we're gonna find um, Edith's? Bo there coming back around, and the the oh, finale will be Edith's wedding. 
Dude, I absolutely hope so, and I absolutely think that we will, because, you know, Edith being the one who's sort of been beat up the most throughout the series, I mean, I think it's only right that... What was that line? I, t- I texted it to you, man. Uh, Edith, who couldn't make her dolls do what she wanted. <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's, that's what brutal, Grantham dude. said about her. Oh, that's so brutal. She couldn't make her dolls. I don't want her to have, like, I don't want her to be higher than all of them. I, that would bum me out a little bit. I don't, I don't think that whininess should be, like, like rewarded in that way, you know. Do you think she's become markedly less whiny in this in this series? I, I've really grown to like Edith. I mean, she's got her her little job. I mean, she's editing a magazine. She's she's sort of getting it done, man. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in so far as she's moving beyond that kind of victim mentality, she is. Yeah. I think she shed the victim mentality, and maybe that's what I'm connecting with. So, you know, so much with this iteration of the character, but uh, but dude, we haven't talked about uh, Mrs. Patmore's little incident. Um, it was hilarious. It was hilarious, and I was really touched when uh, when the family came to her defense. Um, now, my question to you is, you know, that was a nice storyline involving Mrs. Patmore. Are we going to see anything more on the romantic end with Mrs. Patmore? Do you think? Do you think they're going to reintroduce Mr. Mason in the last ep? And I doubt it. it are they, any steps going to be taken in that in that regard? Dude, I I think, and tell me if you if you think I'm out of line here. I think that the the writers. Actually, is there a writing staff, or is it just Julian Fellows writes it all? Dude, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not even sure. Whoever's writing this is just, like, notorious, in my mind, for leaving things hanging. For, yeah. for in, you know, introducing a gun uh, in the first act, and then that's just that. It goes unfired forever. <laughs> like, I mean, this yeah. thing with uh, Baxter and the, the guy. Yeah. That's not coming back. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, like, you're right. Yeah, the, the Baxter and the guy thing. Yeah, totally went away. You're right. So I, I really don't think that they're going to bring anything back with her. I think that it, it was left implied by a little look from Daisy that she realized it would be kind of nice if, yeah. uh, you know, because both of these older folks think of her as kind of a daughter if they if they got together. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that may be where they leave it, and they'll only have so much time for so many sort of storylines to, um, you know, to explore next week. But Do you think that we're going to get a... Uh, like a double long episode for the finale or what? Dude, yeah, I would expect a two hour app, wouldn't you? I mean, this one was a little bit long. This one was an hour and 15. They do that sometimes, um, which just gives me false hope that it's going to be a two hour and then it stops. And, like, Yeah, and, the, and then they cut it off. Yeah, but it is kind of weirdly disconcerting. Like, you get to that hour, hour and five, hour and ten minute window and you're like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. You know? Like, this could be, <laughs> this could be another hour, or this could be uh, over in five minutes. It's just sort of, uh, it's kind of disconcerting. I think it has to do with the way they edit down the British versions. Okay. In order to get the, the, the you know, TV ready for the, yeah. the American audiences. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I, I didn't think it was any too long last night. No, no, I enjoyed every moment, man. I thought, I thought it was one of the tightest and again, most kind of layered and interesting episodes. Uh, that they've ever done on that show. I thought it was outstanding. Dude, at the risk of going along with this, since there is only going to be one more to talk about, yeah. I think we also need to bring up one more thing uh, involving Edith's job at the uh, the magazine. Oh, The Spratty. unveiling. Sprat, man! Dude, that was unbelievable. <laughs> so, as it turns out, our boy Sprat, who was uh, the butler at the Dowager Countess's house... Still is, uh, right? And still is. Uh, moonlights as a love and relationship columnist for Edith's <laughs> magazine, and he was writing under a nom de plume, and, Cassie uh, something or other. Yeah, yeah, a, a woman's name, and they invited this uh, ostensibly woman columnist to the office to have a little confab, and who should be sitting in the office but uh, but our but our boy Spratt. <laughs> That's marvelous, man. It is marvelous, man. Hello, that, Maddie. <laughs> that guy takes a lot of junk from Denker. So. Yeah. You know, like good for him to have his own his own thing going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that that was a, a nice little uh, bow on the end of that thing too, because y- they have a tendency to give you uh, to give characters who've been beat down for a while, yeah. you know, throw them a little love. And that was it. You know, we realized that he's got he's got higher aspirations than just continuing. I mean, because like, God forbid, but uh, the Dowager Countess is going to die, and yeah. as we've seen, the demand for butlers is like nil. Yeah. Um, and and that, that, to me, is the most fascinating thing about everything Julian Fellows does. He always chooses this era mm-hmm. right when, like, just beyond the peak of that, that yeah. kind of life. Like, Gosford yeah. Park is the same way. Yeah. Uh, where people are combining chauffeur, butler, you know, what a like... great movie. 
all this stuff that that a, a butler would be above doing, and, yeah. and you know, so you're overqualified. You would expect too much pay, and yeah. and these people. It's almost like, I mean, it's not, and this is a weird comparison, but it's not unlike people who have spent their whole lives, uh, you know, on a line, getting very good at a job, you know, with a press that's or right. something, and then a robot starts doing it. Dude, or, that's right. Yeah. I mean, think right. about truck drivers as, as driverless vehicles come into the play. There yeah. are people who have been spending, you know, 30 years getting very good at this, and Absolutely. then all of a sudden, there's no, there's no call for it. Baby, it's tough out there. You know who's... <laughs> You know whose success I I don't care at all about. Who's that? Daisy. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's the worst. She got really whiny and sniveling to me, and I just she's the I, new Edith. She's the new she's the new Edith, and I quit caring about her uh, as a result. Yeah, when she like yelled at that guy who was only on screen for like nine seconds. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, I, you're gonna get fired, and I really I'm 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 strangely comfortable with it. Absolutely, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, she's just a character who yells and screams a whole lot, and and it seems to have worked out for her, which is the part that I don't like. What I don't yeah. like about her most is mm-hmm. that she has the same. She's like she's like Diego. I don't know if your kids ever um, got into Diego. He's like like I guess uh, Dora the Explorer's male counterpart. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, but they they never got into that. Well, my son had like one video we got from the library, and my wife and I were like, "No more Diego," because everything <laughs> he said had the same annoying cadence and pitch yeah. like profile to it, and yeah. every every single thing that Daisy says, I mean, it, she has a little bit of a lisp to begin with, which doesn't yeah. bother me, except for in concert with everything's into the, 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 the like like just like this dip, so that it sounds kind of like. Like bratty, you know there's what I mean? A, there's a dip, but then there's a crescendo. Yes, so like, yes. It's like should 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 we read the chapter now? You know. <laughs> yes, and it's like everything. She's at the end of her rope, no matter what. Like, Do you think we should you need keep to make doing that... the podcast? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I think you should read the chapter like that, except more stressed out, like yeah. more at the end of your rope. You know, she's always harumphing around down there. Yeah, it's like wait, wait, what's so hard about about this? We're we're like Mrs. Mrs. Patmore is making like a 19 course dinner, and she's like, "You yeah. prepare she's the like, sauce," and she's like, "Oh, I can't do everything or, at once." Or like close the tops of those picnic baskets, and she's yeah. like, "Ugh, harumph," you know? <laughs> what am I, your slave? It's too much. What yeah. am I being paid to be the cook down here? Yeah. <laughs> to bring it back to from earlier, the thing with Mrs. Patmore when when the family stepped up, yeah. I was like, man, I I feel like. That that whole show has been uh, kind of a a good bunch of PR for that way of life because yeah. that family was so good for that that village and all the people and they were so loyal to to everybody and they yeah. cared and they felt the weight of everyone's well being on their shoulders. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it, maybe we should try and get back to that. We should try to get back to that, baby. And I would be I would be fine with a scenario in which we have servants kind of serving the the program here. Yeah, you know? yeah, if Gutcheck could be kind of one of those prominent families. We could be a prominent a prominent <laughs> family. You know, we we could be like the the duke of Gutcheck and uh, you know people would people would serve us. We would have a driver, we would have, you know, a butler. I've already got a sunroom. You do you do have a very nice sunroom. <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe we make that the, the the base of operations for a little while. And and you also have it downstairs. I mean, you have a basement which could become sort of the the servants' quarters slash you know where all the kind of downstairs stuff happens on Downton Abbey. You know, here's a here's an interesting connection. Okay. When you think about the the Paper Street Soap Company in uh, in Fight Club, okay, that was sort of like the the modern urban version of of Downton Abbey. In that you know they had all these people living in bunks and doing what the the one powerful you know kind of lord, if you will, said. Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I know it. I know it. That's an interesting connection that you just made, baby. <laughs> Have proving you... proving that you're a very literate person. <laughs> and speaking of being literate... Oh, uh, Ted, you're on fire today. Ah, uh, thank you, baby. Thank you. I'm like a Kentucky fire stick from Jacob <laughs> Hale. I smell like, you know, like a campfire, like your sweatshirt. <laughs> I smell like, like a sweatshirt. For <laughs> <laughs> the thing that you said earlier, that is, that is the thing. That's what makes that funny. Um... Baby, it's uh, it's Gut Check Literacy Month still. Um, we're in, I think, week thirteen of uh, of Gut Check Literacy Month, and we're ready for chapter twelve here in our fabulous book, Re Raptured. So, if you like 
layered, interesting storytelling on the level of Downton Abbey, uh, you will want to pick up a copy of Reraptured. Uh, I think it's $4 on, uh, on Amazon.com. And we would love for you to have it and be able to read along as we, uh, as we read the book out loud here to you. So chapter 12 is called The Myanillinium Bug. And why don't you set this up slash, um, kind of give roles here for this chapter. This is one of your chapters, I believe, correct? Yeah. This, this one is, uh, Here's the thing. When we were writing, there were so many gaps in between uh, chapters. Like sometimes it would yeah. be six months, sometimes it would yeah. be two days. Yeah. That uh, I had put Dr. Van Shrimpy in the, the office with the nunchucks. Yeah, sure. And then I was like, ah, crap, that's too early for like this big kind of... Confrontation. Um, yeah, yeah. A confrontation. So I made it into like a, a vision or like a, uh, mm-hmm. a hallucination he'd had. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we went like several months. And then you wrote mm-hmm. another chapter in which they were like fighting. Yeah, uh, and so <laughs> then we went back in and 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 fixed that. So this yeah. was me trying to like undo some some kind of over eager storytelling that I had done earlier. Okay. Um, I would like you, of course, to be Coach Duke Morrison. Absolutely. Uh, I will be Max Darby, and everyone else is it's fairly short uh, yeah, chapter. Right. Okay. And you know, let me say, vis-a-vis uh, buying this. Yeah. You know, people think about gut check and and how they want to support us, but I also want you to think about. You know the the folks that are you know the the owners of of that little that little Amazon.com shop because they get a little piece of each sale. Mom and pop. It's hard you out know? there because there are some bigger companies that are kind of moving in <laughs> uh, and, and taking away some of their business. Yeah, we yeah, want to keep supporting right. Amazon. That's right. Yeah, I mean you know think of them as kind of the Mrs. Patmore figure just kind of striking out on her own to start a little bed and breakfast. I mean, that's really what, that's what Amazon has done with the book industry, Zach. I mean, I think it's not, it's not too much of a reach to say that. And, and boy, you just want to, you just want to throw your support there, you know, I mean, support these good, hardworking people. By, you know, be uh, the crawlies. You show up, be, be the photographed crawlies. buying this, uh, you know, right, right from the, the, the cashier at amazon.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All it. right, here we go. Chapter 12, The Mayanlenium Bug. All right. Coach Morrison screams. More sweat leaks from his brow, and his heart rate spikes for the fifth time in an hour. He's just seen Tim Van Shrimpy again, this time driving the Prius next to him, waiting for the light to change. Duke closes his eyes and gives his head a violent shake, trying to jar reality back into place. Van Shrimpy is gone now, and a gaunt, chain-smoking woman sits behind the wheel of the Prius. She squints curiously at Duke, causing her permanent upper lip pucker to ripple. <laughs> Duke shudders and punches the gas, running the red light. After the vision of a nunchuck wheeling Van Shrimpy in his office, he had begun to doubt his sanity. With each successive vision, he is more and more convinced that he has lost his mind. He has to reach Max's house as soon as possible. Section break. Maxwell Darby sits at his favorite workstation, crunching numbers. On either side of him, laptops continually search the Hebrew scriptures for hidden codes containing the names of people and places currently trending on Twitter or headlined on CNN.com. Despite his current frustrations, this is where Dr. Darby wants to be. When he first graduated from Taylor University with both a Bachelor of Science in Art and a Bachelor (laughs) of Arts in Science, he had his sights set on working for NASA. But after several inquiries, it became clear that he would need a doctorate for that kind of work. Short on funds and ambition, Max had gone the correspondence route and gotten his doctorate in creation science from (laughs) Dino Discovery University, a school whose only piece of property is a bi-level house in Colorado Springs, and which, despite being accredited by the Fundamentalist University's cooperative, is flagged (laughs) on most lists of diploma mills. Nice, baby. Max is semi-slumped against his desk amongst dozens of one-by-three comic book gospel tracks put out by Van, Tim Van Shrimpy's Shrimp Press. With a dude, sudden, we should have called our company Shrimp Press. Dude, and, and you know, you see here that not only is Tim Van Shrimpy obviously a couple of End Times guys kind of stuffed together, there's a little yeah. Jack Chick in him as well. Absolutely. And that kind of comes to the surface more and more throughout. He's a, he's a multifaceted guy. He really is. <laughs> With a sudden burst of anger, he grabs two handfuls of the saddle-stitched booklets and throws them at a monitor with a sob. The rapture calculations just aren't working out. Again. Max rubs his eyes violently until he sees bright circles everywhere. When they fade away, a single tract comes into focus, resting perfectly centered on Max's keyboard. 
Why the Earth is Not Quite 800 Years Old is one of a dozen tracks featuring a creepy, bemustached character named Bill who is continually humiliating scientists, high school science teachers, and textbook distributors with his evidence for a very young Earth. Max's heart sinks. His mind goes back to the interview he had at NASA in 1990. It was actually an interview for an assistant janitor position, but Max had brought the suitcase containing his laptop and on it his, quote, missing days program all the same. The first question of the interview had been, um, why are you wearing a lab coat? To which Max responded by plugging in his laptop, firing up QBasic, and launching into his presentation using astronomical models looking backwards through time to show that there were actually two missing days in the history of the universe. The program ended with a beautiful slide of two Bible texts, the day Joshua made the sun stand still and the time Hezekiah made the sun move backwards, the words shifting in hue, making full use of all 256 colors available to him at the time. The interviewer's eyes had brightened, and an amazed smile had formed on his face. He made some calls, summoned some hires up, hires, higher ups, <laughs> hires up, should it be that? That would be like... Uh, uh, Attorneys General, I think. Attorneys General, Whoppers Jr. Only, Uh, only, only at NASA. (laughs) Summoned some higher ups, and they asked Max to do his presentation again. These men, in turn, made more calls, and soon the room was packed, and Max was asked to run the program yet again. This time, while a technician filmed it, as he stuck the landing, the room was filled with applause and laughter. Max had been dismissed with a "We'll let you know." Max is starting to doubt that they'll ever call. Oh, sad. A shrill buzz shakes him from his memories. The 386 in the corner is making a racket. Dr. Darby's workspace is his basement, which is rather cramped. There are so many computers, monitors, and dot matrix printers around him that Max hasn't been able to reach that particular machine, the one making the racket, in more than ten years. In 1998, he had kicked off a series of computations about the prophetic significance of the Y2K bug. But when 1-1-00 came and went with no fanfare, the old machine had only been 9% done with the simulation. This had prompted Max to sell all of his Star Trek VHS tapes and purchase a handful of Pentium computers. By the time they were all set up and networked, the 386 was physically inaccessible. And so it's been running all these years, more or less forgotten. And now the screen is flashing. Y2K computation complete in blocky, ANSI graphics. Max squints, trying to make out the smaller text beneath. December 21, 2016. Max scrambles over a pile of machines, kicking over CPUs and stomping dial-up modems until he is face-to-face with the 386. He punches the spacebar for the full report, scanning the raw data and processing it like a Pentium (laughs) 2. Of course Y2K didn't arrive in 2000. Why would it? He chides himself. The whole notion of the year 2000 is based on a faulty dating con- dating convention. In the centuries since the BC-AD split was standardized, most scholars have decided that Christ was most likely born in 8 BC. And when he thinks most scholars, he's actually just thinking of what Van Trimpe wrote in a commentary the year before. Max begins jotting notes on a yellow legal pad. 8 BC, BC plus AD... 8 times 2 equals uh, 16. Y2K will hit in 2016. He underlines the last sentence twice and looks at the date on the screen again. December 21. Why is that so familiar? Stretching out to his full 6 foot 7, he reaches his laptop. Max yanks it from the corner where he si- Max yanks it to the corner where he sits and fires up his personal database of prophecy and science, which he has been compiling for nearly 15 years. He types in, December 21, rapture. Nothing. Fine. He brings up Google and punches in the date. Max's heart misses a beat. The first result is a video of a sermon by Tim Van Shrimpy entitled, The Mayan Calendar, The History Channel, and The Rapture. (laughs) Max clicks and it begins to play. He's familiar with the General Van Shrimpy party line. Scripture needs to be interpreted through the grid of Mayan prophecy, with some Nostradamus to fill in the gaps. And as Dr. Van Shrimpy is saying with such total assurance, in December of 2012, we'll be looking down. He feels a little drop in his stomach, as he does each and every time Van Shrimpy makes a very specific end-times prophecy that doesn't pan out. Luckily, the stomach-dropping feeling is less and less each time. And really, if these last calculations were correct, the self-styled prophecy expert has gotten the month and date right just the wrong year. That's pretty good for Van Shrimpy. It's imminent. 
Max shrieks and spasms, surprised by the voice of Duke <laughs> Morrison standing at the bottom of the basement stairs. The coach takes a dramatic step toward Darby. Duke, you scared the poop out of me. Max takes a couple of deep breaths. I wouldn't call it imminent, he says. This date is still more than a year away. Oh, Max, you're always messing up some mundane detail that taints the results. The amateur rapturematician laughs <laughs> condescendingly. <laughs> okay, coach, what did I overlook? There was no year zero. It went right from 1 BC to AD 1. Oh, yeah. He swallows <laughs> hard. That means the Y2K bug is going to hit in a matter of weeks. Along with the rapture and the beginning of the end. Like I said, imminent. <laughs> that's that's not Morrison laughing. It's something happening in my office. And you remember the vows we took when we formed the Tribulation Fellowship. Because we alone know the day and the hour, we would set our plan into motion exactly seven weeks before the rapture. Today is seven weeks before it all goes tango uniform. Today is the day we have called our day. <laughs> Our day. Max gulps. It has been years since he uttered that word. I woke up this morning thinking the rapture would happen today, too. Oh, Duke says, shaking his head. Then Josh called me. I assume he called you, too. No, Max replied, but he messengered me a grenade launcher with a note that his instructions would follow. That's why I called in sick to Radio Shack today and came down to my command center. <laughs> it just got real, didn't it? Duke grizzles. Sure did. But why haven't we heard from Van Shrimpy? He was supposed to activate us, not Rabbi Pastor. I don't know. I sure didn't get the impression Josh was calling on Van Shrimpy's behalf. Yeah, where does Rabbi Pastor stand when it comes to the good doctor? Duke sneers. I fear our old buddy is playing both sides on this one. Which side are you on, Duke? Duke lifts his golf shirt, revealing the silver handle of a snub-nosed thirty-eight, just barely protruding from under his fat... I'm the head coach of the Denver Values. I'm on my own side. <laughs> oh, dude, the next one is one of my favorite chapters. I'm excited about the next one, man. That'll give us something to look forward to, for sure. <laughs> that was uh, enjoyable, as always. Of course, of course, man. It's re-raptured. I know. I love re-raptured, and I love literacy, and I love our little mom-and-pop bookstore, Amazon.com, and you should love it, too. How many people do you think... How many more people can read now than at the beginning of, of Literacy Month because of us? This I, I like to think about the lives that we're impacting. <laughs> you know, I like to think that when I walk around the city here, I I see glimpses of, of re-raptured in the eyes of, of the little kids who can now read and who couldn't read before. Um, <laughs> you know, mostly it's, it's because they've, they're in like second grade or first grade where you really get a handle on reading. But, I mean, yeah. we like to think we, we played a little role in that. It's, it's heavy, Zach, this responsibility. Uh, it's not something that I take lightly, and uh, and that's why I'm committed. I'm committing. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I'm committed to keep giving people uh, re-raptured via Gut Check Literacy Month. Hey, Ronnie Martin is online. I'm sorry. I just totally just ADD'd and, and interrupted your great soliloquy. Who's online? Ronnie Martin. No, should, should we try to loop him in? No. All, All right, right, man. This has great been time. amazing. It has been amazing, as, uh, as always. And uh, we will see you next time. I hope you hope this <laughs> life.